Welcome to the Harvest House Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, you can find us at harvesthouse.live. Now it doesn't mean 
within more sincere or maybe even less sincere, but we're just a little more careful. That's actually what he's talking about. I'm not denigrating your point. Thank you. I get it all the time, right? If there's a, if I'm a, if there's an asterisk, just like a stain, you know, uh, if there's it's kind of like if somebody's getting sick on the point where you got to go to the doctor in the house. If there's something to pray for, they find you. I don't know why. Uh, it's just kind of weird, but I. So what I always like to do is I like to uh, to always ask somebody else to be able to fill that asterisk. Is one of my favorite things to do, primarily because I want to I want to make sure that everybody understands that just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I have to pray that way. Right? But it is that kind of thing. You know how when you go out to lunch and you see people all sitting around the table trying to figure out the, 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 the soup has come or even the salad and you're doing that weird thing where you look at each other like, are we supposed to pray over this or wait for the steak? Right? So the appetizer, it's like, well, you know, as long as it's just by, I've heard the rule is if you don't have to get out utensils, you don't have to pray for it. So chips can go for the steak. But if you have to get out your knife or your spoon, you've, you've got to, you, you don't wrap the napkin, you just got to pray. That's just the way it works. Um, but there's always that weird thing where people then automatically get this, they scan the, room, the, the, the table to determine who's going to be the praying. And if there's a preacher sitting at the table, everybody just goes, whew, I'm saved. Right? They know that they're, they're not going to have to do it. That kind of thing is what he's talking about. An actual way to perform. So what he says is in those moments, first of all, don't pray like that. Make sure that it's something that's from your heart. The second thing he mentions is the pagans. The pagans, it doesn't say that in, in the passage translation, but in most other, um, the ESV, the NIV, the KJV, all those say uh, um, pagans. The, the pagan there was just someone who was of a pagan religion. All the people that worshipped other gods, what they would do is they would rehearse these days mechanical prayers to God. So it was more of a rehearsal of of they would say these very ritualized prayers, believing that God would then, um, you know, keep their families safe or bless their crops or whatever it might have been at that time. So that was a pagan way of doing things. But it was very mechanical. If I can use this word, it's very transactional. Most of our salvation is very transactional. If we're honest. especially in the Western world, because you it, that even then goes into, and this is not the point here, but even goes into, that's why we've been taught that God won't hear your prayers if you have pity on people. You repent, you pay the penalty, pay the fine, do whatever it is, and then God will do whatever you've been asking for. Very transactional. Actually, what Jesus is saying is it's supposed to be not a transactional relationship, but a transformational relationship. It's not supposed to be something where I give to him, he gives to me. That's not how this works. God is not quid pro quo. But that's what we've been taught. So that's what he's all, the second thing saying is the pagans looked at it a very transactional sense. Saying, no, 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 don't do that. When you pray, pray like this. And I'm going to read this from King James. After this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and thine is the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also Forgive not their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive us. We are now. I'm not going to get into. We've taught about this, so I'm not going to get into. I don't believe that what is actually saying is that if you have unforgiveness, that God just says, "Well, I don't have to forgive you." Um, I don't believe that's what it's saying. It's more clear than that. But I do think it's really interesting that every of others. I don't think we can untie those two things. So what I would like to do is I'd like everybody to come and um, when we get to communion, and then we're going to talk about this for a moment, and we're going to take communion together, okay? So if you could come, um, and if you want to remember a seat, just push them in rows, starting with the back one first, working your way up to the front. I think the welcome is still good, so I don't think everybody's going to be loaded before or after this morning. So, okay, so I'd like to talk for just a moment about this idea of forgiveness. Um, in this, it's really interesting. In fact, if you read it, I think um, the, the, the King James, New King James, uh, NIV, NASB, all use this term forgiveness. Um, and it's actually where we get our idea of acceptance from. So somebody says no trespassing right um signs come to it right uh and so with that idea of sign says no longer hurting people um with the idea of those signs we say then there are um penalties for that in fact there are some contracts that say trespassers will be To me, as soon as you can say, I've got it in my safe, it's no longer self-defense. Right? As soon as you have them in the safe, it is no longer, this is what the best I can offer you. Okay? Okay. So, 
bad idea is, is truth and this, trust me. And we don't have a lot of time to dig into this, but both in the Greek and the Hebrew, as well as in English, the word trust me translates out kataskabaini. Okay? So um, what it would literally be implying is that if you forgive the people who have breached the boundaries between you, your father will forgive where you have breached the boundaries or the borders of what you're trying to do. And interestingly enough, he actually will um, go right into the meat of how to handle this conversation. Now, one of the things he says in the Greek, the Greek is really clear when it says, let no man say when he comes to you, you sons of my God. So it's not as if uh, the, the, the implied uh, the implication is that, that um, God please don't lead me into temptation as if it's implied that he might. What it's actually saying is help me to not fall prey to temptation. The temptation he's really talking about is retribution. The temptation is just a referencing of what you do when somebody trespasses your borders. discussing is what do you do when somebody breaches whatever it is you're about so i'd like to be a father number one i would like to um take upon myself the authority uh to be a prophetic uh parent and i would like to specifically ask god to show me what to do so go back
and towards our country, towards our neighbors. We ask you to give them safety. We ask you to keep them well. We ask you, Father, that you would not allow anyone to uh, harm them, that you would, Father, allow your presence to be upon them and with them as they gather again, that has not become aware of your goodness and your love, that that would happen. Father, we ask you that you would help rule it out, that in the midst of challenging decisions, that we would always be on the out on the side of the outcomes of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean, that doesn't touch our politics necessarily, but that, God, you would help us to separate that well, separate that union, and that, Lord, you would be with our leaders, our government, those that are in process of big decisions. Father, touch their hearts. Allow them to see the role of government and authority as being primarily to protect and to empower, to help to lift up, and that, Lord, that if there would be any other motive, if there would be any other thing present, that you would deal with that in their hearts, that, Father, help us to continue to be on the side of protecting and protecting the outside of protecting, primarily those that don't are not able to protect themselves. Father, those that are hurting and, and are scared and are running and are out in that shopping mall, even within our own lives now, Father, help us to have a heart of compassion for these people, that we would be a peace that treats the foreigner, that treats the, the naked, the hungry, the prisoner, as you did. That's the indication of what a life lived well is. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, how are we doing? Everybody good? All right. Let's see. <clears throat> Maybe I need to go voting after all that, do you? get loosened up, because what we're going to do is we're going to go after any of these things that Jesus mentioned in this prayer that would be a um, something that we're feeling either struggling with or feeling uncomfortable with, okay? So what we're going to do is if, there, if you feel like that there has been an attack, and I want to be clear, this is not saying you have a problem. That's important to understand. I'm not talking about people saying, um, well, I have this problem. Because I, that can happen too, but oftentimes we get, sometimes we're afraid to ask for help because we feel like it's it's our identity, it's our problem. I'm not, no shame in that. What I'm talking about is if you feel like there has been an attack that's happened, you have a struggle in one of these areas, this is what we're saying. So everybody, put your hands on your knees with me, okay? So Jesus says, this is the way you should pray. And the first thing he mentions is our Father who art in heaven. How we do that now. The word hallowed there is holy. That isn't there. We said this before, so I'll say it again, and I'll move quickly. That word does not mean absence of sin. If the word holy meant absence of sin, then how could God have always been holy? Because God was holy before sin existed to the absence of any sin. We do a disservice when we try to define the righteous in the vein or through the lens of the absence or unrighteousness. So God's holiness is not the absence of sin. 
It's not defined by that. It was. It would be ludicrous to even say that as if God has this inherent wisdom. That's not even an option for God. See, God shouldn't count options and say, "Say, good job, God, or not for me." That's not telling me good job for not trying. It's just not possible. And so, what it says here is holiness is the word whole. So we get our word whole. And so what that means is our Father who is in heaven, and what it's saying is it's drawing the awareness of, of, of God as heavenly, bigger than everything here on earth. But then he begins to connect those two later when he begins to say things like on earth as it is in heaven. He begins to connect those two so he says, God, you're here, and then help me recognize that I am there as well. And you're bringing me back, that there's a parallel and a connection to that. So what he says is our Father that is whole, then he defines to us the things that would keep us from being whole. So he gives the parallel of who God is. Then he begins to deal with what would prevent us from being that. So he says, our Father who art in heaven, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So now he defines, okay, if God is this big thing, but guess what? The big thing is active all around us right now. What he literally has just said is, I can't see him, but he's already here. He's taken a, a very ethereal concept and made it entirely practical and known in your experience. It's an amazing, amazing connection. Then, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. So give us our bread and we do forgive our debtors. So this thing, he starts with, give us this day our daily bread. The first thing about that that's really, really interesting and important to understand is give us this day. Help me be present. Today, right now, give us this day our daily bread. Help me be here now. Some of you specifically, I thought some of you would very clearly stress the way he said it. He was trying to deal with who his son was. Sorry, Caleb. Uh, he was trying to stress the way he said because part of the challenge we have as people who say, um, many of us, um, in, in uh, devotional times or Christian times is then when we're not feeling the fire from that, we just kind of shut down and, and don't really know what to do. He really was trying to get us to be a people who can operate in many facets of how to connect with him. And I really genuinely believe that, that the ascended life of walking with him is where you feel him just as much in meditation and quiet contemplation where you make more noise as you do when you're firing every time you've got it. But the problem is, if we think the height, the pinnacle of prayer is firing in every corner we got, as soon as we don't feel that juice, we just kind of shut down and we kind of kind of just, you know, pretend to bump on the log. What he's actually saying is, I believe he wants to empower us to be able to move in both languages. He wants you to be empowered to move in English. When's the last time you prayed in English for more than two seconds? When's the last time you spent time in Spanish? Right? And you say, well, that's not a big deal. Well, you know, sometimes you think it is.
that I need Jesus all absolutely through. Right? Because though I slay my own dogs, still I am one of the angels. Right? And Jesus even said, oh, this is just a joke that he's going to make up to the twelve. That one of the things we have to remember is that we as a people are supposed to be loving God or being aware with our heart, soul, mind. So there are many things that he wants to do in our minds that requires us to actually think. When you're praying in tongues, are you thinking about it? You could be praying to God is good all day long and doing it in Chinese and Taiwanese and, and maybe Kentuckian. But the reality of it is that if you're not praying that language, your mind is not peaceful, Paul says. So what he actually begins to teach us is there are times that we need to actually not pray in the spirit and pray in English so that our mind can be fruitful and understand what it is that we're declaring over ourselves and unto God. You need to give thanks in English. You need to forgive your enemies in English. You need to bless people and give thanks and praise unto God in English so your mind can be fruitful, so it can do something that conveys to you. In those seven things, where can you be faithful? Where do you spend time with God? Think of that the word meditate is probably one of the most offensive words that's ever come out of Christianity. Uh, when it comes to prayer. Why? Well, they just think it's Buddha. Right? As soon as you go meditate, everybody freaks out. Because it, in the scriptures, it wants to say Buddha. So it's like, that's not bad. But it, the word in the other translation, but the word meditate is Pisha, which is where we get our English word Akasha. So the moment you meditate, the end has come. on your word day and night. What does that mean? I'm meditating on what you say and asking what you say. I'm asking what I might think and I'm meditating on that. So he wants to move us into that place. So be present. Give us this day our daily bread. Be present. Right now, just to keep you, we have a stop in our schedule meeting. When you're sitting at a stoplight, we have a stop in our schedule monitor. When you're Really frustrated, and maybe say you just like want to knock somebody's head off. We have a stop in our schedule monitor. That's the reality. So, uh, is there anybody specifically that you feel stuck in prayer? Hearing and being present, stuck. Uh, pastor, we have a guest buddy I want you guys to gather around. We're going to pray. This is after they eat first of all, but this is the pastor and his family. We need to get up and go. Let's lay hands on people. We're going to do this really quickly. praying this for us, because here, if we were honest with ourselves, I believe we need to stop praying. My included, right? My included. So, Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you for this gift. We thank you that the daily bread of our Father is the thing that you provide that gives us this meal. We thank you, Father, that you are with us in this moment. We ask you to help us to be aware, to be present, to be online with exactly what you're saying, exactly what you're doing, that we would not be distracted or pulled into the past, pulled into the future, pulled into something that's happening around us, but that, Father, you would give us the ability to function in, in the full flow of praying in the Spirit, the full flow of praying in our own English, 
get a full dose of meditating on who you are. That, Father, at any moment that you would be able to draw upon the reservoir of truth that you are, that our daily bread is you. And you provide exactly enough. You provide exactly what we need. We are never in lack because you're always there in our need. So, Father, we ask you as a house that we would have this gift. You have told us specifically what we're asking in your life, Lord. As they steward on behalf of this, we as a house say, let it be. Let the presence of the Father be around them continually and let them be aware of it. Let them not be distracted. Let them not be pulled. Let them not be drawn off of what you're saying. But, Lord, let their your daily bread be their sustenance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Good job. All right. Now, real quick. Um, next thing it says. Um, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Okay. So forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Interestingly enough, one of the things that we have to remember, when Jesus talked about forgiveness, he actually taught two or three different descriptions of how should we forgive people. Can I read four? And it usually says, how many times should we forgive them? Seven times? And it usually says seven. Seventy times seven. Right? And that doesn't mean 401. <clears throat> Although that's the way math works, right? That's not necessarily what that means. So there are 400 times where I'm like, oh, sorry, that's your luck, you know. Sorry, you, you passed the, the boot. That's not the point of that. When, when Jesus is saying is that St. Peter comes to him and says, um, how many times should we forgive? And he says seven, not as a numerical reference. And he says seven because seven is the number of completion. So what he's actually saying in the Hebrew, if you would be specific, should we just keep forgiving until it's complete? Jesus actually stretches past that because what we haven't understood is that Jesus referencing 70 times 7 is not just a random thing where he's trying to exaggerate the number. It's, it's drawing from a story that we know very well in the Torah. The story is of Lamech. Lamech in the Old Testament, um, it's in Genesis 5, I think, um, it actually says that one of his family members was killed by someone. When they asked him what he was going to do about it, he says, I'm going to avenge them and kill them seven times, 70 times what has happened to me. So, Genesis 5, look it up with me. But Jesus is directly referencing, saying, if we ever wanted to do that, I do. I really wonder, like, why did he mention that? He's quoting scripture. He's quoting within a story where somebody was saying that God actually allowed people to do this stuff and to punish, but take it a step further. Where you've done this, I'm going to go further. Where Jesus says, I want your forgiveness to look like that. But where that number before is usually equal, how much violence you are going to give because somebody had wronged you. I want that to exemplify. So he took the thing that in Jewish law was acceptable, which is saying if somebody does something to you, you let them have it and it's acceptable. Um, God's okay with it because it's what Jesus said. And then he said, no, 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 I'm not going to let you do it just by punishing someone with forgiveness. Okay? So Jesus says this. I think it's really interesting because when he does this, he says this thing about help me forgive the debtors. Another way to explain this 
with me. Help me to not be bound by the past. So he starts with the present. Help me with daily bread. Right now is present. Then he says, and help me to forgive the past. Help me to let go. So I'm not going to try to let go of that car. I don't want to lose
everything, every wounding, every hurt, every pain, every challenge, every time we've been rejected, every time we have been abused, every time somebody has spoken ill of us, every time that we have failed, every time that the church or a pastor or a leader or our parents or our uncles or anybody else around us has told us that we have, we have disgraced what it meant or we have failed in what it meant to be a Christian. Father, we lay all of that down and we let go of that. We break those ties and we sever those roots that we are not that anymore. And we also thank you that you have redeemed and restored those things. Any generational curses that we have been told stay with us are broken. Those are not ours any longer. In the name of Jesus, through the blood of Christ, we have a new heritage. That's what the scripture says. So, Father, we break those things off. Anything that would try to draw us out of the daily bread that you're giving now into the past that's behind us, we just sever that and say, no, that is not there. But Christ has redeemed and restored all things unto himself. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Father, that our past is in Christ. We ask you now that you would also deal with the future. Father, we ask you and we give you anxiety. We give you worry. We give you fear. We give you the things that in the past have affected us to cause us to be uh, worrisome about what will happen in the future. Father, we, uh, we offer those things to you now and we say that you are good and you are faithful and you are those that will continue. You will reward when we seek you. And we thank you that, Father, you are continually rewarding those that you care for. The scripture says that you will not abandon your saints and that you will not leave us begging for bread. Father, we know that you're walking with us. And so we right now just lay any anxiety down. We lay any fear down. We lay any anything else down that would try to draw us into what's happening in the future and try to attack those prophetic gifts that we have that would imagine things. We cast down all those imaginations and every high thing, and we lay them at the feet of Jesus, and we thank you for the mind of Christ. So, Lord, we thank you now that you are leading us into righteousness. We thank you now, we declare over this house, that your goodness and your mercy chases after us. It is in our past now because of Jesus. And we thank you that your goodness and your mercy goes before us. It's in our future because of Jesus. And that it will lead us and it will follow us all the days of our lives. And we thank you for this now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. That's good stuff. Whew. Thank you all. I told you guys it was going to be weird, and that turned out to be really nice. Good luck picking all this up. Okay. So, quickly, I want to do one more thing. Is there anybody that has a prophetic word that I can use? There's a lady over there. word maybe about what the Lord is doing in your life or somebody else in this uh, somebody else you know in the midst of this prophetic thing that the Lord has for you and if you feel led
So, Father, we thank you that you're a God that can do where we are and work where we are. And that really the mistakes are just to show us how big you are. That they're that's our perspective, not yours. Father, we ask you to help us just to be obese and weak and weak. And that we, by the spirit of the Lord, are worthy to believe. We thank you for that deliverance. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to this message from Harvest House Church. For more information, find us online at harvesthouse.life.